1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And so when we first started recording this episode, actually, not when we started, when we first recorded this episode, Michigan was scheduled to play Iowa. There was supposed to be a game, and... And Michigan was talking and acting like they were going to play a game. Uh, for those, I mean, I'm sure most everyone knows by now that game has been canceled due to COVID nineteen concerns. To quickly summarize it, it sounds like sounds like contact tracing is really increasing things. Uh, Michigan has been slightly more specific, but they've still been relatively vague. But they did say more than eighty, or sorry, whoa, whoa more than fifty players would be out or unavailable either due to a positive COVID-19 test, the 21-day kind of overhang or contact tracing or other injuries that have occurred during the season which which Michigan has had a lot. Um you know, they've had several season-ending injuries to star players uh, along with some some nagging ones that have lasted a little longer than maybe initially expected. So anyway, hopefully our listeners don't mind, but I just went ahead and just cut those parts of the episode out. So what we have here, it was originally going to be one football episode and one basketball episode. We have recombined them because initially we recorded them together, not realizing realizing how long we had talked. Uh, and then and then I separated them. And so now I have cut the parts about of this podcast about the Iowa episode or about the Iowa game and still kept some of the other topics because there were some interesting discussions, but bear with us if things sound a little, if this isn't maybe the the smoothest episode we've ever done. So regardless, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it, talking Michigan football in the first half. We'll take a quick break, and then we have a lengthy Michigan basketball discussion on the other end. So in addition to the Iowa game and the Big Ten Champions week, which obviously is now moot to this episode, Jim Harbaugh. Speaking with reporters for the first time, really for the first time in two weeks. I know he was on that um, COVID-19 call last week, but didn't really offer too many updates of his own. But anyway, uh, I spoke with reporters for the first time in a couple weeks. Offered a number of key updates. I guess the most pressing one is he said his commitment was to Michigan. Sorry, I was going to pull up the exact quote, but but Steve, you, you saw it. you. Saw the sound bite. Um, you also cover recruiting. I when he first said that, I'm like, man, he's he's really pushing that commitment word. Isn't that what committed prospects do <laughs> before leading up to signing day? And so I, I, you know, kind of kind of tongue in cheek here. But does this does this commitment sound genuine from him, or does it sound like something a prospect who's getting enticed to flip? might say
0: um you know it's funny his comments today actually convinced me more that he's serious about wanting to try to work it out to come back okay uh just because he's harbaugh does not strike me as the kind of guy who like if he's i i i I tend to take him at his word i guess is the thing the,
1: the key phrase though He's a big don't I won't tell you something that I don't want to That's tell the, you but right. he doesn't straight up lie.
0: He would have he would have sidestepped the question way more than he kind of did, I guess is the way I'd put it. If he was if this was a deal where you know, he wasn't committed or or was, you know, I feel like he would not have it was a mostly direct answer, the only Phrase was his, my, he said, my plan. And that was the only part of the phrase where I thought, okay, I think that means, you know, that's his way of kind of opening the, keeping the door open as far as like the negotiations still have to take place. Right. Um, but I, yeah, he does, he has never struck me as somebody who would be one of those coaches who, you know, already has one foot out the door, but is saying, things like this publicly
1: yeah he makes sense he doesn't do the used car sale
0: yeah I really and I really strongly feel that way whether you want him to come back or not whatever but I as it, I at least give him that that that's not his style at all so his comments today actually again I, I take them at I take him at his word honestly uh, we'll see if that holds true uh, but I think the fact that outside of a couple guys in the class, you know, I think they're set to sign most of these guys, and are in good position with Donovan Edwards, and feels like Xavier Worthy might stick too. Uh, okay, that's the that, you know, we'll that'd see. be quite the finish. Well, that's what I, that's what I mean <laughs> though. But I've and I actually just post on the board, and and I can't stress this enough. And this isn't this is not a shot at fans or anything like that. But like recruits and their families view this a two and four this season they view it in a completely different light than than fans do you know michigan can look at a recruit and the families and tell them about the opt-outs and all the injuries and all this other stuff and they will are much more liable to like understand i guess and i'm not excusing michigan's performance you you know listen to any of our podcasts the last six right i mean we've been very critical of how Michigan's looked and then just the, the, you know, just the general feel of what the program is at, where the program is at right now. But recruits and families are much more liable to at least understand when a coach says, Hey, like, you know, this isn't, you know, this is something we can turn around. You know, we, we know we can turn it around, you know, type of deal. So I take him at his word really. And that, again, I don't think that's a guarantee he's coming back. Right. He said, "As if we're going to sit down, we'll talk at the end of the season on the current contract,
1: that's current contract too. He didn't exactly. say a future contract, yeah.
0: Right. So, you know, I do take him at his word in that regard, and uh, I think that, from at least what we know, the recruits are are listening and and buying into that. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that was my reaction to it. I I'm not surprised, um, you know. So that's that was my take on it."
1: Yeah, one transfer so far. And I, I believe technically zero decommitments since the season started. Now, you know, certainly, I mean, there's a lot of, lot, lot of time between now and signing day, even though it's not a lot of time in, for, for, the rest, for most of us in the recruiting world. It is a lot of time. That is not much. I mean, hasn't Tennessee had like five decommitments commitments since the season began. And like several players hit the transfer portal. Um, you know, you could, you could look at other schools, Auburn I say had a situation way to
0: have in some drop tech.
1: Te- well, Auburn did technically change their coach. So I guess maybe they're not in the same category as Michigan, Texas, you know, seem to, I mean, they had D commitments. They had have had players transfer or hit the transfer portal. Um, so far, not a, ton for michigan i i don't again literally i mean it's it's been a weird couple of weeks as a reporter uh, especially one who you know takes a lot of pride in being out in front or, or be being prepared i should say of breaking news stories been been weird because it's like every time i check twitter i'm like all right who entered the who entered the every time i get right. a message from steve i'm like uh-oh Like, like you got to stop sending me uh, links to tweets because I constantly think it's you know like like the shoe's about to drop. So, but but I mean the fact that it hasn't fully happened yet makes I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, And by the way, I I I don't I don't agree with the rumors that say Jim Harbaugh's lost interest in Michigan. I I mean this is still his dream job. This is a job that he covets. Now it hasn't gone as a dream. And, and that obviously can change his plans. It can change Michigan's plans. Um, but I, I think, well, this we'll talk about this more if something dif- more definitive happens, but I, I kind of look at it. I know people are using the Notre Dame comparison. I'm actually wondering if it could be kind of like the USC comparison. Where they have a young team, they have a lot returning, you know, the the rec- although USC's recruiting actually fell off more than Michigan's did. Disappointing season. And now next, next thing you know, USC, I think they're going to be in the top 10 this week in the playoff, and they have a chance to win the PAC 12 weird year granted, but um, they're undefeated. They're finding a way. And so, and, then, and, and that was after a very controversial decision they made to keep Clay Helton and, and change some of the coordinator, assistant coach position. So anyway, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's actually a, a package you could put together to, to at least convince recruits to, to stick around. Um, you know, the season has been a real, inexcusable in a lot of ways for Michigan. But I, I think my, my question every year and this is why I think I argued Don Brown should not have been kept for the 2020 season every year. The team's job is to put together kind of a reason to believe whether it's returning starters, returning quarterback, you know, just missed the season before, um, you know, it's great recruiting hall or, or, you know, whatever the every year you're supposed to be able to put together a package. And I, I think that that's, I'm starting to see it form a little bit. Now I could literally finish recording this and find out <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is leaving, but I guess the one thing that's giving me pause and I don't want to give away Sam's entire story, Sam Webb um, who does the recruiting podcast and the basketball podcast for us. So most of you are pretty familiar with him, but he had a VIP post kind of breaking down the latest in the, in the head coaching situation last night. The fact that this still hasn't been done and we were kind of, we said last week, I don't want, I I don't want us to talk out both sides of our mouths. So we're going to hold ourselves accountable to this. I think we said something in the, in the vein of if this isn't done by the weekend and they're starting to go towards signing day with no definitive answer that we would kind of interpret that as a sign that, Hey, maybe, maybe this relationship is ending. Or is on its way out. So, um, Steve, I guess, what do you think of the fact that that it still hasn't been done? Because it, it doesn't it doesn't help Michigan at all. Uh, I mean, you, know, you can say it doesn't hurt recruits as much as it hurts fans. It's not helping with recruiting to be at this kind of impasse. I mean i i I gotta think, announcing something would you know, help with recruiting. So do, do you kind of read that the fact this hasn't been done, does that give you pause in thinking that, that Jim Harbaugh wants to make it work here and Michigan agrees, I guess, how does, how does the timing or the fact that there's been no news yet impacts your tea leave reading of the situation?
0: I mean, they're going against conventional wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing Auburn let
1: go of Melzahn. Uh, Arizona, Kevin yeah, Sumlin. Like the a lot of moves have been made already. Illinois. Illinois kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, yeah, it's like
0: I don't know how I feel about
1: that one, honestly. Um, but you're seeing you're seeing right, the, yeah. the shoe starting to drop. The yes. the cycle is started.
0: Texas comes out in support of Tom Herman. You know, maybe that's the Bill well, will similar situation, right? Where it was up in the air again, we said we didn't want to see Michigan do what Texas did, which is openly flirt with another head coach and then retain the guy. But if they were deciding, <laughs> if they did decide to retain him, it was the right move to make sure that they made that before national signing day. Right. So, yeah. It helps
1: you a lot less three days
0: later. Yeah. So yeah. Michigan, either way, however, this works out, it's definitely going against conventional wisdom. Uh but Harbaugh is on contract for another year. Right. That's the other, it's not as if it's expiring and this is all like completely up in the air. Um, Well, no one's,
1: no one's expiring in power five football these days.
0: Right. But what I'm saying is, you know, that may be how he's pitching it to recruits is saying, listen, like I'm on contract for another year. Still. We're just trying to work out how it's going to go beyond next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, because my thought was like just trying to figure out how are they when, you know, when some of these guys probably have five other schools now still just hitting them up saying, hey, like you really want to be there when Harbaugh's gone, blah, blah, blah. Uh, With my tea leaf reading is like it's so against conventional wisdom that I kind of wonder if Michigan knows like they have a grip on what they're doing and they feel comfortable about their timeline. I just like,
1: you know, I know my hypothesis of it. Yeah, I do. Go ahead. I wonder if they're trying to use it to their recruiting advantage or not to the recruiting advantage, to the optic advantage and planning an announcement for Wednesday. Like 2 days from now. On signing day, Jim oh. Harbaugh also signs an extension. Just yeah, I mean, just, here's the thing. Like, like look, I'm I'm sitting here like with my popcorn and just thinking, oh, I bet they do this. I bet they do this. So so that that I'm not saying that's what I think is going to happen, like I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily like put that in a story but I just I can't help but wonder. I mean, the, you know, I agree with you. It almost seems like it seems so unorganized. You almost wonder if they have a plan because of how unorganized it looks.
0: That's and that's kind of like where I, which isn't which isn't good. Getting, I, I am yeah, not saying you know, like <laughs> it's getting pretty deep like it's so yeah, um it's so unorganized that it's actually organized. Um But no, that's, that's kind of my, my take on it. You know, that perception is just going to continue and continue to feed itself that it would, again, they're in a situation where to me it just makes more sense to just do it now and just get it out of the way.
1: Yeah. Just own it. I mean, they're going to make a decision that half the fan base is not going to like Right. because I've done polls. I I did like a, would you rather have Jim Harbaugh, um, Matt Campbell, or someone else and i think it was like 43% Jim Harbaugh 47% Campbell and then whatever 4% someone else i mean whether they sign him or fire him about half the fans are going to groan and so michigan's just got to make a decision you know they got to go they got to look into their gut figure out what they believe what they believe can work and then just own the decision i you know this whole waiting for the end of the season to you know have the whole evaluation yeah nothing seems to come easy or be done the the logical way uh these days for michigan and so i guess there's really no easy segue but but anything else stand out to you about jim harbaugh's press conference because honestly regarding the extension he's not he's not going to tell you the full story he's not going to sit down when they're still potentially negotiating and say well i think this and word manual thinks this and you know, he's not going to do that. Um, he kept it vague. Anything else stand out to you about the press conference?
0: No, not really. I'm assuming that means there is something else that stood out to you, but nothing to me.
1: Oh no, not really. I was hoping you would come up with something. No, no. I mean just mostly standard. I mean,
0: you know, the health and privacy stuff and it's that's expected. Um,
1: yeah, not my favorite. <laughs> right. I know, but it's you got you, you can know tell us of a play. I mean, every school has told us how many players are out, right? Yep. So he's, he's I don't know. <laughs> Seems just, like it just dug the hole a little deeper.
0: I'm actually reading the <laughs> so, so I to be clear to the listeners, like I, I never go into the Zoom calls and I went into the COVID one. regretted it oh man took like five minutes between the horrible questions and the uh it's just it's classic i mean it you know i always laugh when people uh, bemoan us or anybody if like not asking the tough questions and it's like (laughs) go ahead ask a tough question see see how far it gets you you know (laughs) it's like it's 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 useless. Now, the one thing, though, and I think the other thing, I, the, when I watch a presser, it can be the way something is said. I suppose even if it is mundane, you can try to read the tea leaves in that regard. But, um, but like, you know, asking if he's ever met Detroit Lions owner. All right, yeah, yeah. It's
1: like <laughs> that one. Come on, uh, like, but you know yeah, but
0: you don't. You know, like, like if you're I don't I don't know who asked it I'm sorry if you I don't like, want to
1: pick on anybody yeah, I'm, not, I'm not
0: I'm not even trying to I'm, I'm just re I'm looking yeah. at the transcript and or like if if they prioritize recruiting the state of Ohio you know as if he's gonna say no no we don't <laughs> never not really <laughs> you know not we anymore like, <laughs> yeah no we like Massachusetts though you know it's like that's what somebody's <laughs> like that's what they're hoping he's gonna say that's yeah. like so stupid so um But yeah, so no, I, uh, long story short, (laughs) did not really see anything else out of the presser that stood out.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was one thing. So I, I, you know, we also talked to Carlo Kemp and Hassan Haskins, asked them about the bowl games. Um, It doesn't have to be long. I, you know, we can, we can really wait to cross this bridge, but, but several schools are, canceling bowl games, especially, I mean, several academic first schools that are kind of maybe in a similar boat as Michigan, like your Stanford's Virginia's Pitts, Boston colleges. I, none of them are quite at Michigan's level in terms of fan fervor or football tradition. Um, but they, they said they were not going to play bowl games this year. they you know, usually that's a treat for the players. If it's not for a playoff contention, uh, but that this year the treat would be have the players home for the holidays. You have any opinion one way or another? I mean, if if they're asked, because every team is eligible for the Bulls this year, and you know, just knowing how bulls view Michigan, uh, there's a part of me that wonders if they do get asked. Any any thoughts on that? I mean, Hassan Haskins, I liked his quote. I, I assume fans will too. Uh, he said, I'll play 10 more games if I can. You know, I just sure. I just want to get better. I want to play football. Um, Carlo Kemp had a little bit more of a nuance, you know, kind of about how I, I think he sounded, I'd have to go <laughs> reread what he said. He he gave a long-winded answer, but I, I think it was generally in favor of playing a bowl game, um, but maybe with an understanding that, you know, you do have to look at this one day at a time and the situation that you're in. Any thoughts from your view, Steve, on on the bowl games? Uh, Jim Harbaugh was asked, and I think he essentially avoided the question, um, which I think is probably fair because you know they might they literally might not get asked by one bowl to play this year. But but any thoughts on on your end, seeing that other schools, decent schools too. I mean, not like it's not like the. It's not like the teams that weren't going to make bowl games anyways, like LSU's bowl ban. I mean, it'd be it'd be teams that legitimately could make a bowl game. Any thoughts?
0: Um, something I'm torn about. Not because of my well-known view on the worth of a bowl game, because I have to appreciate what Haskins said, right? Either you can't not appreciate that viewpoint, right? I guess right. it depends on what they'd be doing if they're not playing in the bowl. Because, I mean, I wonder if this, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these guys did get to go home for Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, I mean, that's what many people think how this whole all started to go downhill for Michigan with the COVID stuff was, you know, Thanksgiving type deal. But I, I don't, you I know, I wouldn't fault somebody if they wanted to go home and be with their family. I mean, it's been a long, rough year for everybody and you know some family time is always beneficial I suppose you know I I guess it just I don't know I I think that's I, I suspect that that'll be a team driven decision I would think you know that Harbaugh would leave it up maybe not maybe he'll maybe he'll say we're gonna play you know I mean that's Within his prerogative,
1: I gotta, I gotta think if right. the whole, if the majority of the teams against it, he wouldn't. Right, I mean that's but that's true. That's so. Yeah, I guess you I you know who might make the decision though. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Is I think the athletic department might, and this is where things get really dicey in terms of the, if you're thinking of the morals and the ethics of college athletics, the financial aspect of it? yes, because yeah. the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which. I don't know if it used to be called something else. It's never been called that. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Whatever it it, it is. Okay. So it used to be called the Belk Bowl. Oh, okay. Um, Yep. But kind of like a a very much a mid-tier bowl. I mean, this is where your seven and six or eight and four and seven and five teams in week conferences go. It's a Big Ten Bowl this year. Their their, um, payout for teams, $4.7 million. Sure. That's a really nice chunk of coin that I'm sure any athletic department would especially ones that the spend as much down. as Michigan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you can make that, that, that almost makes up for the attendance loss of one home game sure. on its own. And, and so I, you know, again, that's real dicey. Let's, we can talk about more about whether that's correct. I mean, I would, I would be inclined to think that's not right. Um, but between the players obviously wanting to play football, you do get some like gifts and cool stuff. And I mean, again, it kind of depends. I think most players, they come to Michigan because they want to play in bowl games, even if they're not like top tier. Between that and the athletic department might needing money, I mean, I I, I kinda think Michigan would take a bid. Um, I don't I don't I'd have to ask the fans what they what they want. But um, I think no. there's, <laughs> it's going to be a end. weird situation. Yeah, yeah no. no, it's going to be really. The fact is, people watch Michigan football. People do, I you know, and it's they don't end up in right the Duke, now. That's all they. That's all they want to do. The Duke's Mayo Bowl
0: against a disrespected Coastal Carolina team.
1: <laughs> well, wait, who's the tie-in this year? I think it's. I don't um, even know. am I'm, I'm kidding. I'm just saying another <laughs> top fifteen
0: opponent or something
1: like it'd be the acc so it'd probably be like uh like unc mac brown jim harbaugh yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: there you go
1: just kidding unc is probably a little bit better than the dukes (laughs) mail anyway um something to keep an eye on i guess maybe that's maybe we're talking about it a week too soon but man oh man i mean it's just that would be the ultimate like cherry on top of this season, right? It's like Michigan has this terrible season and they have to, they get scheduled to play. They have the, they have the coaching drama in the worst year to have coaching drama. They have, you know, a terrible season. You know, they, 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 there's the conspiracy that, you know, they ducked Ohio state. There's, you know, they get a terrible draw for the big 10 champions week games canceled. This coaching stuff. They finally survive all that. You know, they sign a class and then it's like, Oh no, then you also have to go to uh, North. I, actually, they might not make the Dukes Mayo bowl, but they have to go to, you know, somewhere in des- late December, probably not Florida because it wasn't a good season and, and play a bowl game. And it's just a season that, that initially fans were just desperate to get started. They were like, when will this start? We're so in- frustrated, you know, start the season. And now it just won't end so (laughs) could be could be something could could not be might not be but could be something um, to keep an eye on last year's belk bowl was an eight and five kentucky versus a eight and five virginia tech so so we'll have to see um with that we're gonna take a quick break on the other side stuff we didn't have to edit uh some basketball talk taking a look at michigan's opening big 10 game the break what's coming up for the Wolverines, and how the team has done so far in its 6-0 start. We'll be right back. This is the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast.
0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops.
1: Back. let's talk some Michigan basketball gonna try a little bit of a quick hitters uh, first six game superlative because they don't play well they're not scheduled to play for 12 days you know I, the, the Christmas day game against Nebraska which maybe will be one of the quick hitters uh, I could very much see I, I don't know but just like thinking logically I'm I'm very curious to see if they change the date of that game but anyway Steve let's start with um, Hunter Dickinson starting to look like not just a big 10 freshman of the year front runner um, starting to look like one of the top five players in the big 10. What do you like about him so far? And do you see him as a top five player in the big 10 to this point? I mean, to this point, I mean, I've, uh, to be fair, I haven't watched every team well, then let me the rephrase big- it for you because you're right. That is maybe a little bit unfair. Is he Michigan's best player? Absolutely. I said so in the slack. I think halfway through the second half like yesterday, I said,
0: "Is it crazy to say that Dickinson's been Michigan's best player so far this year?" I don't. I don't think there's any question. It's the biggest reason why it's so noticeable when he's not in there compared to when he is. It's not true. Just, That's a great point. Not just from a scoring standpoint either just everything. I mean, he is, he is like, I, you know, I said a couple whenever we talk about basketball last, I said, I haven't been this excited to watch a guy develop in a long time at Michigan. He is, I mean, he is everything that was advertised and more so far. I mean, he's, man, you had him on a couple of the teams back in the day, you know, was the type of type of guy was the missing link. For some of the yeah, big- he Michigan almost looks like Mitch
1: McGarry when Mitch McGarry figured it all out. Exactly. Um, no,
0: I mean excitement there. If you're a Michigan fan, is through the roof. I mean, he is solid, and he just again, I, I the way I always say it, you he's the type of guy you don't need to know basketball to watch and just see. Okay, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing out there. This guy's really good you know and and that's to me is always the sign of a great player like his level of awareness his touch both in passing the basketball and just his touch around the rim you know i mean he made a couple baskets yesterday that like looked awkward like the angles and just the way that he kind of like went up like looked a little awkward nothing just baby's bottom just <laughs> just soft and so yeah, I, I mean, I don't think given Livers' struggles the last couple games, I don't think there's any doubt that just so far, you know, that he's Dickinson has been their best player.
1: Yeah, I think the the big thing I still want to see him up against a a um, true big big. Right. I mean, they, you know, I I I did a three keys and a prediction story for for Penn State and was basically like Hunter. Hunter Dickinson should have a great game. Sure. Because John Harer, Harar, um, Trent Buttrick, um, off time ahead. I don't I quite can't quite remember who the third guy that they put in there. I mean, none of them have been. Oh,
0: uh, the guy that
1: made a players. blind
0: backward shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because then. But then. Yeah, that guy was in effect. I mean, Dickinson forced like three fouls Abdue, on that guy in like 44 Sibilla, seconds. Yeah, yep. He showed some stuff, but...
1: Three fouls, four points, two rebounds, and a block in six minutes. So that was busy. That's a lot going on. (laughs) But, um, you know, and and then with no disrespect to Ball State, Toledo, Bowling Green, Central Florida actually does have a couple big men who were former... I mean, they transferred from other schools, but they're former... Um, you know, high profile recruits. But I I, I guess I still want to see him up against a real big man, but looking around the big 10, I think he's going to end up having a very successful season because quietly not a, not what it was last year in terms of big men. I, I feel bad for John Teske because he was pretty good, but um, at least in my opinion, I know fans were kind of less enthused about him, but he was playing, you know, NBA draft picks team leaders every single night this year. It, you know, there, there's a few Luca Garza, obviously. Um, and then Kofi Coburn. Yup. And I got to think Michigan state at at the end of the day, they're they're going to have somebody who's producing pretty heavily. And if not, then it's rotation. Yeah. Yeah, I was going
0: to say they have depth in the front court. I know between marble, um, is it hall and, uh, Bingham right? I mean, those three guys
1: Hauser can, can play Hauser, a little yeah, sure, frontcourt, too. Hauser.
0: So, they got there, yeah. They have more, it's more their depth than it is like one guy, so they're
1: another one. But there isn't like a, like a seven-footer Like a Jalen Smith or a Bruno
0: Yeah, or Turu. Yeah, yeah,
1: yep. yeah some, I mean, some of the guys that have come through, granted, you know, it's early on the season, so we'll have to see how this develops, but I do think he is Michigan's most reliable player right now. Um, you know, I've not, you know, Franz Wagner has not been, I mean, he would tell you, he has not been what he had hoped to be so far this season. And I think Isaiah Livers would tell you the exact same thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's still a little early to, you know, really start hammering at home. Plus one thing I will say in defense of Franz, he's actually nine months younger than, Hunter is I think that kind of gets lost in this. He and Hunter Dickinson and Terrence Williams are 20 and Franz turned 19 in August, late August. So, um, but no Hunter, he is, he, he he makes it really easy. He's such a simple, uh, he he makes things look really simple even when they're not, uh, you know, it's just, it was just funny. I mean, I think there was one time he had the ball in the post uh, against Penn state and just kind of saw his body language. He was like, he almost like took a second to calculate what he needed to do. And then he like went under and then up uh, between two defenders. And it was like, that's a really complicated move. And he like thought it through. And then he just like did it. (laughs) And it's just, he makes things look very easy. Uh, And then the big thing with him, I think his defense has, has, I think he's starting to find his footing on defense. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the first few games, I think he was still trying to, I think he knew exactly what to do, but I I just don't think he had applied it into games just yet. Now I think he is. And, um, you know, feel, feel really bad for Austin Davis for his injury. But I think if there was a player on the team that could transition to that very cliched, like, he's like, he's a coach in practice now. And I think Austin Davis is like the guy on the team. I would have penciled in for that. Um, And he's been, he's, he's really taken Hunter under his wing, even though Hunter's like, we've seen it five inches taller, but yeah. I mean, the, you know, every time Dickinson has the ball, Austin Davis, despite having a, a plantar fascia injury is like on his feet, screaming at Hunter, do this, do that. You know, it's just, um, I know, I know there's not a lot going well for Michigan football. That's one thing that I think fans can really enjoy is that, uh, they have a star and I think he's the kind that, will keep getting better and better right so
0: yeah dude 100 or uh awesome like i can't stand people that like get on austin davis man like he's he's worked his way he worked his way into becoming to me again far from like elite or you know whatever worked his way into becoming a great like an asset for michigan and yeah is a guy that like even when he was healthy was still a guy yeah just like what was it? Was it you? Some, I remember somebody tweeted, like his voice was like hoarse because he was yelling so loud during one of the game, like, you know, into the game so much or whatever. It's yeah,
1: like, yeah. He had some voice cracks. Yeah. Dude, like
0: those are guys that in, at, at the college level. Like those are, those guys are so valuable. Uh, you know, so that is, you know, and I think his loss is a little more significant than people.
1: Well, I think it was a little significant yesterday. I think. Right. As weird as it sounds, because we vouched—I mean, I vouched for Hunter Dickinson starting before the season began. I almost feel like Austin Davis would have been the perfect player to have in those first few minutes when Penn State was kind of. Now, granted, Michigan started fine, but you know, with the way they play defense, the way they try to make turnovers, the way they foul, um, I feel like that's Austin Davis's wheelhouse, and and I think he. I think people understate the value of, of someone steady. Now I'm pretty high on Brandon Johns at the at the center position, so I'm not, you know, I'm not right saying that. I'm not saying that Brandon Johns can't be good at center. Um, in fact, he had some great moments Sunday. But you know, think think in a game like that, some steadiness, some veteran presence could have helped. Uh, how, speaking of how how troublesome was Sunday's game, Penn State better than maybe people expected them to be. Um, they did beat Virginia Tech by, what, 20 on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. But how how troublesome was it that Michigan, up by 15, seemed to be clicking, and then the wheels kind of fell off in that second half, 11 fouls, 9 turnovers, didn't make a 3. Took them a long time to really breathe a sigh of relief that they were going to win that game.
0: Uh, offensively, yeah, I think Con- it's like considering – the weapons that they, they appear to have offensively, I think it was a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Turnovers, very concerning, right? Turnovers are always concerning. And this is the second game, I want to say, where they've like been horrible at holding yeah, on to they basketball. Had was like it, was 20 it?
1: against Oakland. Yeah. Um, so, so both teams, two teams that emphasize turnovers have gotten exactly what they wanted right. out of this game. Because so that is Penn State's MO, but still. That's not a good sign, but defensive. So, you know,
0: I don't know if like, again, and I, I try to watch a decent amount of college basketball, but like, I just, I get so annoyed. It's like, I swear that whoever Michigan plays seems to just shoot like 40 or 50% on like high difficulty shots throughout the game. I mean, at in the first half, I want to say that 75% of Penn state's points were on high difficulty threes or like, it's just, it just, I don't, again, that's where I'm like, is that really what it is? Or are there other, you know, teams? And it's like, I just, I swear it feels like Michigan sort of is snake bitten when it comes to the other teams, just like chucking up stuff and it goes in. Um, so I thought their defensive effort was, was great. Um, uh, it was definitely – obviously, it was enough to win. It's what won it for him between right. Williams and Brooks, right. right? And I saw Brendan Quinn did a piece on Eli Brooks. That was the other thing I was kind of thinking throughout the game is, like, Brooks is another very underappreciated guy. He's one of those guys that you only hear people mention him when he's, like, turning the ball over or missing three-pointers, but you don't hear anything about him when he quietly scores, like, 13 points and plays lockdown defense
1: on – you know, you know, how teams. I feel about him. He's he might be my favorite player on the team Yeah. T- granted, you know, it's that's also related to my job where I'm like, hey, I really enjoy, you know, picking his brain about basketball and stuff, but yeah, I think he's been underappreciated. And then this year especially, I think he really turned the corner and is you know, I think last year he averaged double digits, so he wasn't wasn't it wasn't nothing, but I think this year he's starting to look like a mm, little early but, you know, starting to sniff around that, you know, honorable mention or third team, all big 10, which is sure, huge. Sure. Cause I think most of us would agree. He's maybe Michigan's fifth, most important or not most important. He might be higher on that ranking, but fifth best player in terms of like eye Stop, test on paper. So yeah, sure. So, so there is that.
0: And I'm not, you know, the officiating. I know I was griping about it in Slack yesterday. I mean, granted, I mean Penn State had a goaltending call completely stolen from them. I mean, that was arguably even more egregious than the charge. Um, but you know, I don't know. I saw a lot of inconsistencies in a It officiating was a real
1: ticky tack. It felt like a ticky tack game. Well I was
0: they called Dickinson on that push that 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 arm. Thing down low when uh, I think it was number one for Penn State. I can't remember what his name was. He he actually didn't really play good. He didn't have a good game yesterday. That dude like has the Cassius Winston like mastered. I mean, dude was using his off arm every single time he would drive the lane, and they never called it one time. Uh, you know, so that stuff gets on my nerves. And again, I realize Michigan. I, you know, I griped about the Charles Matthews hook move like all the time. It was the most egregious, like offensive foul, like ever. And they'd only call it like half the time. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not so long story short, not, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned. I guess I thought Penn state's gritty, I guess would be a good way to describe them. It was a good first. They, they, wanted,
1: they, they came in wanting a win. I, I, if, you know I, I was there i heard the so i'm i when i write i often go by like the sounds of the game to determine like kind of what the tone is cuz i'm watching the game but i'm also writing i'm looking up stats you know i'm i'm preparing for for stories and stuff and especially in the second half and i was like man is penn state like every every if i spent like 2 minutes writing i'd be like man did penn state just score eight straight points and, it, and like they didn't score at all but that's how vocal and energetic their bench was remind
0: you of pichel and Rutgers a little bit with their intensity i feel like he was you know like that's how he kind of got ruckers off the ground was like that just high energy for 40 minutes not just on the floor but just as a as an entire unit as a team
1: yeah you might be right actually the school that came to my mind was brad underwood early on in his tenure um you know real high emphasis on turnovers a lot of fouls, a lot of missed shots, uh, but they were going to show up every single play and and try something. So hey, I
0: love that hire too. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to go back and try to find. I I was a huge fan of that hire for Illinois,
1: and it looks kind of looks kind of rocky for a couple months there. Yeah. Um, and not then you know he Coburn Sunmu worked out, but yeah. Anyway, um, I'm
0: not overly I, concerned. I guess long so I, I just. I, you can see well, some, and they did. Yeah. Here's the other thing you didn't get an even adequate game, really, from your best player. That's yep, right? And then that, that's in again, and your a-
1: second best player, maybe, right?
0: Exactly. So, I, I think I thought I saw, I think it was uh, Dylan Burkhart UM Hoops tweeted out Michigan like only won one game last year when they averaged less than one point per possession. And they off they average less than one point per possession yesterday and beat a conference opponent. It's one of those deals where it's like, if you can win ugly like that, that's a good sign because I don't think you're going to see Michigan's offense struggle as much as they did yesterday because I think a lot of the struggles were self induced more so than they were. Now again, Penn State made some great adjustments in the second half. They were very aggressive at the top, you know, in, in forcing Michigan's guards to you know, played him a lot closer than I think some teams do, but I still think a lot of it was self-induced. I mean, Michigan missed a lot of shots like on livers really did not have his best game. Wagner's still kind of figuring it out. So, you know,
1: yeah, I, I actually think, um, I actually came away more impressed and, and this, this goes back to the, when John Beeline, remember when he like, his team started playing really good defense, kind of like the early Xavier Simpson years, because that stat, the, the, I think they were one in seven last year when they didn't score a point per possession. Um, in 2019, the year before when they had Charles Matthews, when they had Xavier Simpson, they were actually above 500 when they failed to score a point per possession. They were one, two, three, four, five, six, six and four. Now still not necessarily a great record, but, um, so I, I think there's a lot to be said <clears throat> when things don't go well, what does your team look like? And that, that was kind of the question I asked Juwan Howard last night, because he basically t- told his team when Penn state took a lead, he was like, this isn't going to be a pretty game. You know, it's up to you guys to find, find the grit, find the guts, show what you have. And so you know, kind of talking to Juwan and, and he, he was really impressed with the response. I mean, he, you know, there's something to be said for, Owning that, you know, if you're Isaiah livers, just own that. You're not going to score 20 points. You're not scoring 15. You're not dropping threes everywhere. How do you find a way to still compete? How do you find a way to still win? I think Franz, um, you know, I'd have to go back and watch to, to determine for this game, but I think he's had a few games like this where just offensively things were just not clicking for him, whether he wasn't getting open, wasn't making shots, wasn't, wasn't able to engage with the with the ball in his hands like like maybe many expected him to. and yet he still played really good defense you know on multiple positions, multiple players um you know find just finding a way to be productive. And so I think I actually came away from the game more impressed even though the margin I think I had Penn Michigan by seven uh you know you could, I guess they won by four so it's not like it's that different but I actually came away probably more impressed than I would have been had they closed out a 12-point victory. It, I don't know if that makes sense to our to our listeners, but like if if Penn State just missed a bunch of shots and it wasn't a close game and Michigan just kind of coasted the second half to a win, I would have said okay, you know, Michigan's legit, they're a top 25 team, sure. I don't know. I I, I I go back to, to that 2016, 17, and then that 2017, 18, especially that team. I felt like they started to learn how to win gritty. And and that's valuable because the Big Ten is going to be full of teams like Penn State. We, we literally compared them to two other teams who still have their head coaches. <laughs> you know, that, that play really gritty, defensive intensity, force a lot of turnovers, um, high energy basketball you know, and obviously the teams at the top as well, you know, your Iowa's your Wisconsin's Michigan States. There's going to be a lot of nights. I, I can't imagine Michigan's going to blow out a lot of teams, especially with no home court. Um, now they might stand a better chance in some of these road games, but you know, no one's, no one's getting blown out of the gym. I feel like this year, I feel like without the fans. Uh, and I think it makes a bigger impact in basketball than it does in football. I think um, you know, I think that teams are going to stick around. They're going to hang around. They're going to find a way, and there's just going to be a lot of battles. So anyway, uh, that's I agree. where they're at. I, I, yeah. agree,
0: I agree with you as far as the being more, like seeing a youngish, we'll say youngish team respond to a little bit of adversity, right? Because Michigan was in control this game. I'm not going to let you call this team a young team. Uh, it's whatever. I mean, okay. How about but the seeing young, them, play, the young seeing players them. were the guys that, you know, you had, you brought Terrence Williams in cold as heck off the bench. And he came right. in and made, you know, excellent. I know he missed the free throws because of course, nobody wants to focus on the defensive stop. He made, they only want to focus <laughs> on the free throws he missed, but he came in and made a huge defensive stop in a tough situation. I mean, it was a, they had designed the play to switch off to get, um, uh, Sessons or whatever the guy's name was.
1: Sesams, yeah.
0: Sesams on on Williams. I mean, that was clear that that's what they were trying to do, and he still made the stop on it. You know, um, no. Okay, they're not young, but still, like a uh, just a young. A lot as far of new as, faces, though. True. That's that's more what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. To see a team, a new unit, I guess, would be the best. Like, a young unit, as far as like these guys have not all been playing together super super long. I think response to adversity a lot of times is way more impressive than yeah. Coasting to a eight to 10 point win. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't, I people, many should most should understand that. So I don't,
1: there's nothing wrong with being more impressed in that regard at all. Yep. Last question. If they have 12 days, didn't quite get a perfect answer on what they're doing in these 12 days in terms of practicing versus letting the players go home. My, my thought would be maybe they go home this week and then they can if they if they're gonna go home, if they don't go home, that probably actually fits the guidelines a little bit better but if if they were to go home, you almost would have them do it this week and then they come back next week uh, because they do have a game scheduled for Christmas Day. Um, you know I don't have I think once the NBA came back i I lost my the justification for me was lost in, in playing on Christmas, but we don't need to dig into that too much. Um, what should Michigan be working on the most when the, when the, whenever they return to their, to their team practice, I know Jawan Howard said he wants, he wants to give his players a couple of days off just to, even if they don't go home, just, just stay out of the gym, you know, focus on your exams, focus on yourself. Um, think it's a smart move. Think, think a lot of coaches are doing that this time of year, especially with this season, but anything you think they, they really need to, to iron out before big 10 play, they kind of ease into it with Nebraska and then Maryland Northwestern. I mean, those aren't, those aren't the teams that people are thinking are going to contend for a big 10 title. Um, What stands out to you so far?
0: Well, I think the turnover situation is the first thing, right? You you can't, you're going to lose games to teams that you shouldn't lose to if they keep turning the ball over like they did yesterday. Right. I mean, that's not a sustainable model for success. The other big thing we mentioned him a couple of that they got to get Franz Wagner right on the offensive end. Cause I think what, like with what we've, with everything we've seen so far this year, it is clear as day. He is that guy, that next level guy. This team can be really, really good. I think better, much better than people anticipated, if he becomes what we believe he can become. Right? I mean, I think because Livers, it's different with Livers is going through like what I more of what I would call a slump. I don't expect Livers to continue to struggle the way he has the last couple games with Wagner. I think there's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a variance you know, as far as, you know, is, you know, his struggles seem a little more than a slump, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it is
1: still a slump. Yeah. Livers, Livers also dropped 16 points real quick. 16 points on what? Five of seven shooting against Toledo. Sure.
0: Well, was it the game before? So that's... Didn't he have a... Doesn't he have two games? Yes. In the last yes. three, right? Sorry. Not he's two had two...
1: Row, where he's, you know... Been- oh, I agree. But, I, but, like, I think that furthers your point that it's not like... There's nothing to worry about. He just had a couple bad games. I forgot I missed I didn't miss yeah, the with Toledo you. game. That's
0: why. Remember, I, I was I <laughs> missed it. That's why I was like, that game didn't even exist in my mind, actually. So um <laughs> that's why I was thinking two in a row. Well, it think. didn't exist to anybody's yeah, mind two right? weeks ago. So right. <laughs> But I think I do I think turnovers and I think getting Franz Wagner right on the offensive end. I think those are the two biggest things. For Michigan, because yeah, I mean, you have a really, you have a super reliable big man right now. Your defense, I think, is way better than what people anticipated going into the season. I think you have a really nice mix of, well, youth, experience, enthusiasm. Cause I love Shawnee Brown, man. He's been such a, I think he's another guy that's been so,
1: I feel so bad that he doesn't get to do this in front of fans. Right. I mean, he He would be such a fan favorite player. Absolutely.
0: And I, I was, it was nice to, uh, well, who was the color guy yesterday? Greg Kelser, I think was the color guy yesterday made a point to point, uh, made a point to mention how, even though Brown wasn't scoring, that he was still making an impact on the game with his defensive not just the plays he was making, but his effort on the defensive end, you know? And so I think having an experienced guy come in as a grad transfer and play with that type of energy, I think is, is, can be infectious. Right. So, I mean, basically what I'm getting at, I think Michigan has a lot of really good pieces moving in the right direction, you know? So I think the, I think the two biggest things are, yeah, are, are taking better care of the basketball and, and, and Wagner time to trying to kind of figure things out.
1: Yeah. Well, those are, those are probably the, the really obvious ones. I I think, um, on ball defense, it was better. Definitely a lot better on, on Sunday. I still not a lot of steals, excuse me, not a lot of forced turnovers. Um, I mean, that'd be the, that'd be the one statistically. That's really the one thing they're lacking is, is teams are getting a lot of shots up, um, you know they' and when you shoot more, you're able to score more. So I think that'd be one thing that i would I would kind of look at and then if I can point to one other player, you mentioned Franz Wagner, um, I agree with you. he's the ceiling racer. I think a player who who can who might be next in terms of if he's clicking, Michigan really seems unlikely to lose. How about Brandon Johns? I mean, he's had moments where he has just looked. So capable, uh, you know, supremely talented, like someone who would, you know, who could start if they asked him to, and he wouldn't miss a beat. But he definitely has had some moments. Um, you know, he he's got like that travel starter step that uh, you know Charles Matthews had when he first when he first started playing for Michigan, where you know he gets the ball and then he takes like, a couple couple jitter steps, and he's been called for a couple travels, um, you know, a couple fouls, a couple giveaways. But man, he um if he if he finds it it I put in quote quotation marks, Michigan's got maybe maybe the best front court up there in the big time. I guess it's really, it's really hard for me to put anyone over Luca Garza. And obviously um, Illinois has Kofi Coburn and Georgie Bashan It's Vili. Michigan State, pretty good as well, but I, I think Michigan enters that conversation if Brandon Johns finds "quote unquote" it, because you know, you have Livers, Franz. I know he plays at the wing, but he sure rebounds like a front court guy, and he is six foot nine. Uh, you know, and obviously Hunter Dickinson. We talked about him. Yeah, Johns. Johns to me would be like the other puzzle piece that if I'm Michigan, if I'm Juwan Howard, I'm I'm digging into the film, trying to think, okay, because I don't think he's played poorly enough. You have to like sit him down and like, you know, have this real heart to heart. But you know, he he he's someone that can give you more. And and you see it in moments and then you don't see it in other moments. And so I I that'd be another thing if I'm Michigan's coaches. I'm I'm taking a look and, and seeing plus he's gonna have to adjust. I, I I'm sure he I don't know if the five position is his favorite um because you know there are a lot of guys bigger than him. He is someone that can, he's played at the three before. So he's a wing forward type. But Michigan could really use him at the five. I mean, he changes the game a little bit. So that'd be the other missing piece. That we're going to stop right there and this podcast. Of course, there'll be tons of stories, uh, not about the Michigan Iowa game, but about pretty much everything else that's happening coaching, recruiting, the basketball team. Um, you know, maybe what's next for the Michigan football team. We over at the themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com will be all over that and everything. You'll also have the podcast. We're going to keep those going, even though the season has ended. Uh, be sure to check those out wherever you get your podcasts. But, of course, they're always available on our site as well. Love to see uh, the positive ratings we've gotten. Love to Love the feedback that we've gotten. Definitely enjoying. It seems like more and more people are subscribing, so appreciate that as well. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Let's go! It's the most all-star-studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms of